Young Gun, a podcast about Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. I am Demetri Ravanas, a Bama grad. She is Lauren Brownlow, the biggest Panthers fan I know. And about three months ago, we decided to follow the team this year with a focus on its new franchise quarterback. And Lauren, it is working out about as poorly for you and I as it is for the Panthers themselves. I'd actually argue that for us, it's been far better then it's worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least we're we're Just, making content. We're getting a little money yeah. out of it. <laughs> it's not as if when we go to put the podcast out week after week, we, you know, stumble over ourselves and instead throw our computer into a fire, which is basically I, you know, what the Carolina Panthers do week in and week I, out. I do want to get to that very aspect of watching the Panthers because it – like yesterday, like clockwork, um, they get into the red zone and immediately are sacked out of the red zone. Uh, but we'll get into all of that in just a second. First, though, I got to tell you about our friends at Graffiti. They make the show possible. You can find them in downtown Cary, 158 East Cedar Street. You know about the Sunday bourbon pour specials, right? Blanton's at $10, Eagle Rare at $9, same with Angel's Envy. Then you got McKenna 10-year, Heaven Hill 7-year, and Buffalo Trace, all for $8 a pour. But those aren't the only specials on Sunday. There are also beer specials. There are also weekly prizes. And to top it all off, 19 TVs. You do not have to miss any Sunday football action. And if you are a Panthers fan, you want to be surrounded uh, by an environment where you do not have to pay attention to the Carolina Panthers. So do it next weekend. Uh, graffiti, 158 East Cedar Street in downtown Cary. Also a great place to do your sort of friend holiday get together with all of those great drink specials, as well as uh, the cool art and axe throwing going around at Graffiti. Uh, Lauren, this coming Sunday, Sunday the uh, 17th, I am taking my son to the game. And I am now concerned that CPS might need to be called if I go through with this. No, it's, it was actually really funny. Like, I, we, I've been having this conversation with my son um, because um, his father is a Buccaneers fan. Uh -huh. I am a Panthers fan. I have not forced fandom upon him because why would I do this to him? You know, I wouldn't do this to anyone on purpose Yeah, that I love. Uh, I don't know how into the Panthers your son is, though. That's the thing. Like, if he's not that into them, then it's fine. You can just go and laugh right. and go, wow, how is a football team this bad? You didn't know a football team could be this bad, did you? So, and yes, there it is. So my father is meeting us uh, for the game. Uh, and this will sort of be our family holiday thing. And my dad said something to me that my son said to me as well, like weeks ago, which was, you know, Tua and Jalen Hurts are on winning teams, right? Why couldn't you pick them to be your favorite? I was like, yeah, I know. No. But also, like, I get to hang I don't get to hang out with Lauren doing a show about Tua or Jalen. And also, there's nobody in Raleigh, North Carolina for a show about Tua or Jalen right now. I mean, so come on, people. I mean, I'm not going to make the exact analogy, okay? Because obviously this isn't the analogy. But it's not like you can, like, look at your own kids and then look at someone else's and go, you know what? I'd rather root for those kids. Like, that's, <laughs> you don't just get to, like, pick and choose who you love sometimes. Sometimes that's right. even when it hurts you, as I'm learning, 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, let's dive into it. Uh, was Bryce too short this week? I mean, he was a lot of things. I don't know that short was that's what comes to mind first. I wrote down watching the game. Forget too short. The kid is broken right now. I actually, you know what? It's interesting because, like, as the game went on, I actually, I did, you know, of the few things Jonathan Vilma said that I agreed with. Uh, and didn't send me into a blind rage. Uh, <laughs> one of them was that in the first half, you could tell he was visibly uncomfortable. And you yeah. could you could absolutely tell that. However, at least in the third quarter, I was impressed. And, and Vilma said this too. Like, I was impressed with how he came out. He clearly had, he had a little bit of, you know, sorry, but a you attitude to the way he was playing. And I loved that. That mm -hmm. is what I liked. Like, it, that's, I think, the ingredient I'd been missing from him a little bit was, like, you don't see that very often in his game. He's still, like, just, yeah. you know, go with the flow. You don't see a lot of emotion, positive or, like, but, like, the way he, like, he he leapt over uh, on that, th uh, was it, yeah, third down run, third down, trying yeah. to get the third down, and he just, like, no regard for his own body, just literally mm -hmm. was like, I am getting this first down if it kills me, and I do not care. And so that did, and I was like, I don't, I don't know why he still feels this way this late in this football game. Like yeah. there must be something wrong. But then, yeah, as it went on, like you could obviously see him fade back in. And I mean, I don't blame him. Like, what is it exactly? Like, look, is he playing well? Mm. Uh, I don't think he played all that well in this game. You know that I will sometimes point out, like, did he play well yeah. in spite of it all? We can parse through the numbers and go, how many drops were there? How much this? How much that? But I don't know that I felt that he – I didn't feel like I felt that he played that well. No, I, I'm with you. 36% passing. I, I got a tweet during the game from uh, at Gville Tar Heel uh, that said, was Bryce Young this bad at deep balls in Alabama? It's alarmingly bad. This was the first game I felt that way. Like, it, it really was – rough and yeah, he's had some misses before but i think you could you could go, go back to sample size go back to how open our guys all right. of that but yeah see, there, there were some bad misses early on in the game some of those misses i mean like when he hit sullivan in the numbers and sullivan dropped the ball yeah. when the ball goes through all dj chark has to do is close his arms that ball goes through his hands on a deep is ball that the sideline ball that Phil was. said was bright's fault because yes i was I, I didn't get into a full back and forth, but I, I have to, like, yes, did he have to come back to it a little bit? Like, yes, okay, fine. But at the same time, like, not, that's a lot of how that works in the NFL. Like, well, and, sometimes and, you have the to other make part, adjustments. Just, I, I, I think the biggest part of that particular one was Chark had his hands on it. Right, he it was literally in his it. chest and in his hands. <laughs> like, I don't know what else, I mean, I, yes, it was the DB right there to make a play because he had to come back to it? Okay, fine. But at the yeah. same time, like, he literally has it. Just give a big hug. Yeah. So hug. in answer in answer to that question, was he this bad on deep balls at Alabama? No. But also, I think he either he was more in sync with his receivers' timing. That is probably the easy probably. answer. And I think the other part of the answer is he trusted his receiver. Like he he had a little bit better understanding of where his receivers were going to be. And let's be honest, the year he won the Heisman, he's throwing to Jamison Williams and John Mechie. Nobody is covering those guys. Like those guys are wide open every single time. So I don't know if it's fair to judge one to one. And that doesn't mean Bryce has never been good at the deep ball, but certainly this is a whole new level. And it comes with a whole new set of problems for the guy. Like I, I will tell you, I am worried about him long term. I, I legitimately am. 
Uh, but I don't know. I, I still stick to like, I, I don't know that you can look at what is going on right now and say, well, Bryce is the biggest problem with this offense. You know, I, it's interesting. I don't remember who posted, but I saw a hypothetical thrown out yesterday on Twitter of like, if you could change one thing about the Panthers offense, what would it be? And the more I thought about it, the more the I was offense. just like, but I mean, yeah, like that's the problem. Like you look at his <laughs> Bryce has developed some bad habits. He's not yeah. hitting deep balls. The receivers aren't scaring anybody. So defenders are sitting on routes. The play calling is uninspired. The blocking is bad. Like I could go on, yeah. you know, and like that's So for me, it's like, we see all of that in this like symphony of suck on the offense <laughs> right. week after week. And so it's hard for me to point, like if they had a better O-line, would that help? Yeah. I guess if I had to pick one thing, I'd probably pick that because like, if you can't, you know, if there isn't the time more often than not for plays to develop, there's nothing you can really do down right. the field. Like you're one dimensional at that point and you're easy to stop. But at the same time, like there's still a lot of bad to fix elsewhere, including the, the play calling, which inexplicably took a very abrupt turn this week in ways that often made no sense. Yeah, uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. First, though, I do want to tell you about Origin Sports TV. You can watch us there each and every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. It is a fast TV channel, which means it is already built into however it is you are getting TV. So if it's Zumo, Roku, uh, Amazon Freebie, or Samsung TV+, Plus, go to those built-in channels and look for Origin Sports TV. We are there each and every Tuesday night uh, talking to, about Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. With you guys. Uh, all right, Lauren. So I, I do, I think the play calling goes into this because as soon as this team gets into the red zone, I, I can't speak for the team. I can only speak for people like you and me. Like, we know that's not ending in a touchdown. We know through some series of strange events, it's going to end up with Eddie Pinheiro kicking a 40 yard field goal. To be fair, um, as a Panthers fan, and I think I can speak for a lot of us, we're somewhat used to this. Sure. You know, like there was a meme made, I think a meme made, I think it was like six years ago that I still have saved in my phone of uh, like, you know, the guy checking out the girl's butt as he's like yeah. with his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stock image. It's like the the girlfriend is touchdowns and the girlfriend <laughs> is the, the girl he's checking out is field goals. Yeah. And the Panther, you know, it's the Panthers in the middle. Yeah, so it, it, th this has been a thing for them for a while, but it's almost well, not almost. It has become like comical. Almost, yeah. Like you just go in there or even it's not even just the red zone. It's like, you got a third and one. Let's yep. turn that into third and longer. Like <laughs> you got Second and one. This is going to end in a third and 17. Yeah. Just somehow. Just and, and, and so here's where I want to rope in your offense comment from the last segment. That first time they got into the red zone. Yeah. Ran up the middle with Chuba, got stopped. Ran up the middle with Chuba, or excuse me, ran outside with Chuba, got stopped. Third down, I think they were on the two, if I remember correctly. Or maybe the three. They're inside the five, either way. Yeah. They drop back to pass, which on third and goal, I don't hate. But with this playbook, like, there's nothing creative enough no. in that short of field space. Just roll Bryce out. Just roll Bryce out. And if he has a path, let him run. And if he doesn't, dump it off. And it was weird because, like, Early in the game, especially like very early, they were doing like some interesting things with like motion and mm -hmm. like trying to play tricks on the defense, which is honestly what this offense has to do. Absolutely. You're not like straight up gonna beat anyone one on one. Yeah. Like you're not. So, you know, and they were doing some interesting things with that, but then they would get to the red zone and it was just like, 
what? And and that was actually the red zone possession that probably made the most sense. Or like, the, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like there were some sequences, especially on short yardage, where you're just like, like at least they ran it there. Yeah. That had been working the whole game. Well, a lot of times they'd get a third and one, a fourth and one, whatever, and they would like do something inexplicable, like have a run start five or six yards into the backfield instead of going under center like they'd done earlier. I just am sitting there like, why? Yeah. Did you watch any of the uh did you watch any of the Army Navy game at all? No. Towards the end of the game, uh, Navy was on offense and they just let a, an Army edge rusher come through completely untouched. And my son made the comment, he's 12, by the way, uh, made the comment that this looks like a Panthers game when that oh. happened. And oh. honestly. Oh, you should have sh- you sh- show him the punt block. So- <laughs> Excuse me, the fumble, whatever. So, Don't yeah. care. The, the punt uh, aside. The second red zone possession on back-to-back plays, yes, it yes, was yes. untouched right to Bryce. I mean, it was, it's unfathomable. Like, it is, it's so weird, right? This team has problems getting the ball downfield, and yet it feels like if they are ever going to score a touchdown again, it's going to have to be a 50-yard run or or bomb or something like that, because well, they're certainly not doing it from inside the red zone. What's that? I thought you were going to say an accident. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, it might have to be, like, a pick six or a fumble backwards or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. No, but, like, when it was Sanders, a a long run, right? Yep. I screamed. Yeah. Because that's like a – that's like seeing Bigfoot this year for the Panthers. (laughs) It really is. It really is. He got knocked out, like, inside the two. I think that's what set up that first red zone uh, possession. And immediately they piss it away. That was, yeah, that was later, actually, I believe. It was in the third oh, was quarter. It? Okay. So, but yeah, because I was like, oh, my God. Oh, because <laughs> it was still a one-score game. But, you know, That's right. games, a one-score game feels like a five-score game. <laughs> so you're sitting there like, wait. Uh, but when he didn't score, I was like, well, that's it. And I yeah. was right. Like, that's the thing. People used to call me, like, a fatalist because they're like, oh, why are you so pessimistic? It's like, well, I mean... <laughs> I tweeted this as a joke during the game, but it really is true. Uh, among the many mistakes I've made in 2023, signing up to be a Panthers fan is right up there, Lauren. I, I mean, like, I, I love you, but I don't know how you do this to yourself. Okay, so to be fair, this, I mean, they've been painful to watch for a variety sure. of reasons. This is up there. This is the worst <laughs> that they've ever been. Yeah. Like, full stop. Secret, you're throwing out. This is... Because not only are they like just bad, they're like clown shoes bad. They're like embarrassing bad. Yeah. It's like they're like your friend. You know, we all have like a friend, maybe it's me, uh, probably, <laughs> that, that like something good happens to them, like someone good comes into their life and they're like, we don't deserve this. And they right. sabotage it immediately. Right. That's what it's like. Watch it. It's literally almost become comical where you're like, are you serious right now? Like yeah. that good thing just happened. Maybe you should build on that. And instead they're like, ha, 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 no, we'll just no. set it ablaze. <laughs> uh, don't forget the OG media brand survey is out there right now. And first of all, thank you. We are over 500 responses in just a week's time. We're going to close it out after this week, but I want to paint as complete a picture of our audience as I can. So if you have not done so already, ogtrianglemedia.com. Less than 25 questions. It's really going to help us shape what it is we are going to be doing in 2024. Lauren and I have a cool new podcast idea that's going to, uh, we're going to tell you about in a little bit later on, not uh, not today. But 
it's beyond podcasting content, right? We've got all this kind of stuff we want to do, but we need to know what matters to you. So if you've not taken the survey yet, do it right now. OGTriangleMedia.com. Uh, all right, Lauren. I, I don't even know how to start. Like, I'm so, like, just bringing up Chris Tabor's name leaves <laughs> me flummoxed because on the one hand, I love that he clearly does not give a about this job. It's beautiful. And on the, on the other hand, I'm very concerned he's going to end up being the permanent head coach. Oh, wait, why? Uh, because I don't know who else wants this job right now. Okay, well, some of that, listen. Okay, you want to do part two first? Because we can do that. Yeah. Part two, I know that David Tepper is probably a nightmare to work with. And you probably look at that and go, oh, I don't want that. I know that it's not a good situation right now. Like this is right. not a good football team. I know that you probably look at this if you're a coach and go, they don't have any draft picks. How are we going to fix this? But it's still, I, I don't, I know that this is a cliche, but I do think it still applies on some level. I do not think, no, that it would ever be bad enough that they would think that that was a better option than anyone they could actually get to take the job. No, I do not think that that will be the case. So I, I agree with you. Like I, I think, and this is the one thing about Dave Tepper that I think in this situation makes me a little bit optimistic is he does want to, he does want to hit a home run with the coaching hire. He does not necessarily want a yes man. Now he does want whoever he hits the home run with to grow into a yes man. I will give you that. 100%. But you got to remember, like, what gives me pause is that Tabor is a guy that Reich, or excuse me, that that Tepper insisted Reich keep from the previous staff. And it, it just... Huh? It, what? It, yes. Wait. Uh, wait. Really? Really. Okay. And that's what gives me concern. Like, like I, I'm sorry. The special teams actually this year have been better than they've been in a while, but yeah. better is not garbage. Right. Like that's where we were coming from. <laughs> right. And I'm not talking about Pinero and the punting itself. I'm talking about coverage units. I'm talking about return units. That matters a lot. And like, look at the field position. How many plays in a row to start the game? Did they, the Saints run in Panthers territory? Yeah. Like it was because of a lot of things, but part of it was special teams. Right. So like, I don't, I, I just, to he. Okay. I mean, I like this that. is this is what concerns me is if they if they strike out on Ben Johnson, if they strike out on um, you know, let's say Brian Johnson is the next name we've heard, if they strike out on Frank Smith from Miami, like who's to say at some point that Dave Tepper doesn't just say, you know what, Chris is a good guy. Chris stepped in in a rough situation. Let's make him the coach. And do you know what a racist that would make him look like after last year? Well, I mean, if he goes to someone like Brian Johnson and Brian Johnson is smart enough to go, <laughs> no. I'm just I'm just pointing that out. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I hear you. actually won games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. I also think that coming off of last year, this franchise did not look as hopeless as it does right now. Like, I, I'm not telling you <laughs> that I think Tepper deserves a pass for the way Wilkes was treated or anything like that. I just I think this is a totally different situation in terms I, of how I, attractive the job is. I hear you. I think that they'll he'll find a way to get somebody in there, even if it's some like has been retread. That'll just make me start crying. Right. Um, like right. I think I think someone will take the job. I'm not concerned about that. And I think that he knows better than to trot out Tabor 
as a mm-hmm. head coach at this point for like a variety of reasons, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it'd be one thing if he like won a couple games, but, and, and, you know, sounded like he knew what was going on, but neither of those things are happening. So like, <laughs> so here's my question for you. Does he sound like what of his two quotes, one during the game and one after the game yesterday that sounded like, um, okay. I love the one during the game to be fair. During the game, he was asked about, uh, throwing, for a fourth and short as opposed to running. And his quote was, uh, well, there are two ways we could have gone with that. And that's the way we went. I, lo- and- I honestly, that <laughs> might be like the best answer I've ever heard to that question. Like coaches will get into it, start defending it and whatever. And he's like, you know what? We had two play calls we could have picked for, I mean, not literally, but you know what I mean? We had yeah. two types of plays we could have run. We went one way and it didn't work out. And it's like, how do you even argue with that? Like, what is the rebuttal? There really isn't one. I'm just yeah. like, you know what? Philosophically speaking, that kind of rules. But also it, that's sad. It's sort of like, I don't know if you ever watched that 70s show, but it's a very yeah. Red Foreman sort of uh, vibe sure. of coaching this team. Uh, yeah. The other one, after the game, he was asked if he was thinking about pulling the uh, bu- pulling uh, Bryce Young. Tabor said he's not concerned about Bryce Young's safety since they ran for more than 200 yards. Quote, somebody's blocking. Fantastic. I, this was my face for like 10 minutes after seeing that quote. I mean, this is, it is so, it is so insanely silly how really unbothered was. this man is. Like you're never, like, I think we agree that unless something extraordinary but, does that not happen. almost felt like a reply I would get from someone on Twitter if I say like, that pass wasn't Bryce Young's fault. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I get a guy that says, well, clearly, I mean, actually, no one's even said anything that dumb to me. That like, <laughs> clearly someone's blocking. It's like, it's, are you it's are like, you for real right now? Like, do yeah. you, you know yeah, that a lot of us know that like run and pass blocking are different, right? Like, you it's like your spouse or that? partner trying to start a fight with you. Why am I not worried about, uh, about my quarterback? Well, the blocking's working. But no, it's obviously it's not <laughs> right. Like it's either a completely smart ass answer in which in, in that way, like respect. But it seemed so, like he was trying to be so earnest that you're like, are yeah. you okay? He's got to be like in his 50s, right? Or like mid 50s. Like he probably knows that there is no head coaching su- oh, shot totally. coming so at this point. Care. Yeah. So he, does, he doesn't care what you think of him one way or the other. No, in a I, way, I, like, I respect it. Come out there and just give like actually that the the fourth down answer when I think about it, it had very like both teams played hard Rashid Wallace energy to it. Yeah. It's like I'm answering your question. That's the other part, too, right? Like, between Reich and Tepper, especially if Tabor is a Tepper guy, you can understand why he's over this by now, too, Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he sees – and then, like, I, I did – I mean, I, would, I wouldn't say I feel for him completely because I don't feel like special teams have been good enough for a while yeah, now, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, I did feel for him a little bit when that, when that punt got – Fumble recover. I, I yeah. it's so so weird the fumble disputes we were having during that game. I was like, who gives a what we actually call it? Like it's a turnover. Like I was about this, to say both turnovers. Is, I'm like, are the Saints getting some sort of like bonus for that? Like, why are we so <laughs> obsessed with turning these in into fumbles? Like, I don't care, but it was also very weird. Yeah. Was, 
the midweek talk through drops every Thursday. It's a second episode of this show every week where it's me and someone offering a more national perspective uh, on the team. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty bleak lately, but it's also been fun because it's uh, it's fun to dive into what other people from outside of North Carolina are seeing when they look in on the Panthers. It is every. Uh oh, what's no, up? You're... Oh, no. okay. Sorry, go ahead. You finish. Every Thursday, uh, wherever you're getting this podcast, podcast platforms, YouTube, that is where you will find uh, the midweek talk through. No, I would have loved to have seen more of what Jonathan Vilma actually thought about the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> well, Instead, he I got a lot of what he thinks about the New Orleans Saints. And we literally, I think I timed it at one point. It was three minutes and counting of Taysom Hill content uh, during yeah, I, the game. So I was not, I was not counting uh, at that point because... Lauren, the three minutes of Taysom Hill content came literally on the back of a five-minute NASCAR commercial for Alvin Kamara's NASCAR t-shirt brand or or, or whatever it is. And that sort of ties into my next question. David Newton from ESPN asked this. I read his column, and it was not accusatory. It was just sort of saying, boy, coming out of this one feels worse than any game we've come out of so far. And he asked, is this rock bottom? And as I'm watching... Don't ask that, because I've asked that a few times. And guess what? It wasn't. I know. I, watching the game yesterday with as disengaged... And maybe part of it was having a former Saint in the booth. Like, I, I don't think you could dismiss that because you default to your comfort level, right? P.S. When you said, like, Greg Olson wasn't as nice, that's what being nicer looks like. And that's why I was fine with it. Because that's, <laughs> it was embarrassing. Yeah. Um What's this rock bottom? I mean, it seems like the guys even calling the games have given up on this team putting anything together. I mean, it, I sure hope. For my personal rock bottom as a fan was when, you know, Jimmy Graham, who I actively despised as a member of the Saints <laughs> for years, did not like him. Then all of a sudden, his corpse is back. I'm scoring touchdowns to- on it. It was like. He must be back, right? Like he clearly, surely he has not been a saint this whole time. It's just been hiding on the roster. I would believe anything at this point when it comes to that <laughs> team. And especially when they play our team, like the Saints are the team I don't like the most by far in the NFC yeah. South. Like growing up, it was more the Bucks, but even that felt more like fun and good natured. And like, they were both good, which is a rarity in this right. division, but they were, they were both the top dogs fighting it out. Like, and that was more fun, but I, st- I didn't like them, but like, obviously a lot of people moved on, you know, you, you, you new people come into town and then you kind of are like, Oh, they're just like us. So the saints are still like, just like us, but I have enough residual hate left over from the Sean Payton era that like, yeah. I cannot stand them. And so for that game to essentially not only be like humiliating on several levels as a fan, and then to have to hear like a saints infomercial the entire time, I was like, this is, this is against the Geneva convention. <laughs> being tortured. I would like to report that. Well, I don't know that reporting something like that would do much good. I don't know. But regardless, like I was like, this is a war crime. What's happening to me? I, I think I can explain your hate for the Saints from the Saints point of view, because as a Gulf Coast native, right, I've thought about this a lot since 2005 because I was here like I, I was just starting my first radio gig here when Hurricane Katrina was hitting yeah. the Gulf Coast. Right. And we were all uh Later in in 2006, we were all excited for them to see them back in the Superdome, right? They were America's team that night, and we were all happy for them when they won the Super Bowl. 
and I think the majority of Saints fans. No, this girl wasn't. No, nope. no, no. Okay, so excluding the people that actively hate the Saints, right? right, right. right? And uh, by the way, I grew up on the Gulf Coast. Did, was never a Saints fan. I was um, happy for the city. Right. I believe that Saints fans, deep down in their heart, believe we're all still rooting for them. They they cannot. Fa- and I know that my dad's girlfriend is a hardcore Saints fan. Cannot fathom that there are people that do not like the team, or excuse me, that do not root for the team, let alone actively do not like them. Because I actively do not. I actively have never liked the Saints. Dude, the best thing that happened to me during that game was when they started showing highlights of that game uh, of Adam Thielen against the Saints. Yeah, and then they 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 I show I know they showed at least some highlights from the game where they beat them in New Orleans, and I was like, oh yes, let me get more of this package. 